Welcome to First Time Through Bookmark. Our place to talk about anything and everything while we read. Welcome to First Time Through New Eyes on Cast. Or no, no, there's no new eyes. Uh, there. New, no new eyes this time. Welcome to First Time Through Bookmark. Um, our little uh, side story getaways while we read and uh, honestly just we just finished Mr. Mercedes and we kind of just we got to take a a moment of downtime before we launch into our uh, next adventure Um, and it's going to be big Um, you know we gave you a riddle uh, and I'll uh, we can give it to you one more time just right now Um, paraffin wax for Elise and a paper top hat with a flower in it have what book in common? That's going to be the next book we're going to be putting out uh, and be looking out for that episode real soon. Um, very excited about it. Um, just, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. Realized, uh, didn't realize it. We've been planning on it for a while, but this is our one year anniversary coming up. Yep. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow. One year anniversary. Whoop, a whoop. birthday. Oh, yeah. I also turned 29, which is terrifying in a completely different way than any Stephen King novel could ever imagine it for me. You act like 29 is old. I don't act like it's old. I act like it's one more year towards old. <laughs> it's, I don't think that So I'm what does that to, make me? Ancient? I don't think that it's ancient. I think it's more of like my own personal, like, it's more of like what I want to accomplish in my life and my own personal things. And it seems like every year I just get closer to not getting to those accomplishments that I want. And I know that, you know, success is a thing that I get to define in my own life. And it's something that I need to figure out exactly what it is for me. But the markers of success I had when I was younger continue to just rattle around in my brain. And, and I can help. relate to that. And I can relate to that. But I'll, I'll tell you. You know, some of the best things that have happened haven't happened until I was in my 40s. So, you know, don't don't beat yourself up too bad. You, you've me... still got a lot of time to go. Yeah, I'm getting old. For the one-year anniversary, we're going to be doing, um, you know, we got some big things planned. Just make sure you pay attention. Um, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. Uh, we have a Patreon page, which is really fantastic. Um, I want to, we want to redo the Patreon a little bit, slim it down some so we don't have as many tiers uh, and make it... um, I really like the idea of trying to do some kind of like bookmark or sticker club and like uh, we're able to send like a bookmark or a sticker to you every month. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're working on right now uh, and we're really excited to share that with you. So just give us a little bit more time. Um, You know, we do... uh, What... We did... An entire novel about serial killers. We did. We are currently about to end a giveaway for some uh, an incredible serial killer novel. We'll do that. Finish that. Announce that here in a little bit. Um, but I just it's wild and it's crazy because you know just coming into this one year anniversary, it's very obvious that we are things are just going faster than you would think. Everything goes faster than you would appear. It so. does. It's really, I, I mean, I can't believe it's already been a year, first of all. Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
And so, you know, we had one, uh, I asked this question just this morning on Facebook. We didn't get a lot of responses, but there was one big response from Don. Um, and Don is a big uh, supporter of the show um, related to Kim. And he um, commented on a thing and he said one of the biggest moments of the last year for him was when he saw the world map with dots of listeners in Europe. Um, and I'm not going to lie, yeah, it was a good moment for me, too. I really liked it a <laughs> it, lot. It really was, which is why he got to see it. Because, you know, I opened it up and was looking at it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you've got to see this. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think for me, um, Kim, what has been, like, the best thing about doing this for you over the last year? There have been so many super cool moments. and But I think that probably the one that got me the most um, was when we got our first direct message from a listener that wasn't somebody we knew. Yep. Shout out to Jake and Yuda. You two uh, definitely made our year and you made the first year of doing this incredible. Thank you for your support. Thank you for everything. It means the world to us. It really does. I mean, you can, I, I sat here in my chair and I opened up the message and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a message from somebody who doesn't know us. And I got so excited that I actually had tears. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that was probably the the big moment for me this year. Um, yeah, no. And like, I was the exact moment I was going to say, so you stole it from me. Uh, I'm going to say well, so that way I don't have to feel bad about not having a different one. <laughs> well, I mean, that was, that was a pretty big deal. <laughs> and so I can see why that would be your moment too. Yeah, it was a good time. It was really great. It meant a lot. Uh, and I think that, you know, the best part about it is we're just, uh, starting season two, but this is going to be like our 33rd or 34th episode or something along those lines. Um, we're in that mid thirties range and it's only, we're just, we keep growing and it's uh, really exciting. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. Um, and now I'm going to turn it over to Kim, who's got a very exciting um, moment of uh, truth for us. All righty. Well, this week we added a little bit to the what are you reading. So we asked, what are you reading? And then we wanted to know who from that book you would take out to dinner. Um and so we got some fun answers, and, uh... Sorry, I, uh... Is what? that you spinning the wheel to find out who's going to win? Not yet. It was me practicing to make sure that it was done correctly. Okay, all right. So that was just a practice spin. It doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh... Todd says he's been reading Pax by Sarah Pennypacker and Cosmos by Carl Sagan. Um... And the answer, he said who he'd take to dinner is Pax the Fox and, of course, Carl to talk about the universe over dinner. I feel I, like if you're telling me you're reading Carl Sabin and then you're also going to tell me you're not going to take Carl Sabin out to dinner, that's a lie. Why are you reading right. Carl Sabin? What are you doing? Right. What, what are you doing if you're not going to take him out to dinner and, and pick his brain? I mean, hello. <laughs> um and then Joe, our, our good buddy Joe Leaguer, just you ever, says... Sorry, just to interrupt for a second. Have you ever read Cosmos? No, I haven't. Me neither. It seems like it would be a incredible read, to say the least. I feel like it would be incredible, but I have always felt like it's kind of intimidating. <laughs> yeah, it's also um, just so... It's like the... Uh, it's kind of like the... Uh, 
the Bible of science in some ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Joe says that he's reading Billy Summers. And I'm going to guess, hey. since that's the only thing he said, that he would probably take Billy Summers out to dinner. <laughs> you would think so. I'm going to imagine so. Um, and Joe, we're just going to assume that you would exclusively take Billy Summers out to dinner unless you tell us differently. Yeah. Um, and you know what's really sad? What? That book has been out for two months, and I still haven't read it. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be fun if you hold off on reading it. We can have a... Uh... We can read it together for the first time. Uh-huh. That would be oh. pretty cool. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, Tess said the last fiction book she read was Dracula, uh, which is a fabulous book. I love that book. Um, and she said probably Van Helsing or Dr. Seward. And I can absolutely see that. I could sit down with either one of them. I can just imagine the fascinating stories that they might have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Uh, you've been reading One Piece. Um, I have been reading One Piece. I felt like <laughs> it was important for me to throw my name in there. Yeah. Um, one Piece is incredible. If anybody's interested in talking about a manga, let me know. Yeah. And so Nico Robin. In history of pirates that really does sound fascinating no it's cool and like her whole like shtick in the like universe of this like um world in the whole of the world is that she is the only person that is able to read this ancient text and so it's like um it's very reminiscent of like our own like humanity's dark years where just you know we have a couple hundred years where we just don't have any like written like technology we don't have any history we don't really know what happened during that time right, um, yeah and so it's in very deeply inspired by that and she is the only person in this world that can read that language still um and so she's got a lot of like interesting stuff and like little tidbits and she's just so smart and cool and nice she's really she's a good character i like her a lot so it sounds like she would have some really fascinating stories Mm-hmm. Or at least it'd be a very entertaining dinner. One of the two, well, you know. Or something. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, let's see. Of course, I'm reading It. And for a change, that is actually all I'm reading right now. It's my favorite book. I I go back to it once every year or two anyway. So it felt like the right time. Um, and I really think that I would, my first instinct was to say Beverly. But then I was like, I don't know, because I think Ben and Mike might have some really great stories, too. You know, the I, I like history. I like that kind of thing. So, I, I mean, I would think I would enjoy hearing his tales of the things that happened. Yeah. That he was researching and, and, and those things. So, no, oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, and Ben would have stories of traveling and working all over the world. So I think that any of the three of them would be pretty amazing. Um, and Marsha is reading Mr. Mercedes. Um, I'm, yeah, I guess she, she's reading along with us. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, she was the one that was, uh, she was talking to me about, she was just kind of asking me, like, do you think I'd like this one? Should, should I listen to the podcast first? And, you know, it was the first time that I was really like, you know, actually, I feel like if you listen to the first episode of the podcast, you'll get a real good idea of if you'd even care about it or not. And then you can mm -hmm. listen. And if you like it, then you can get the book and finish it up and then, you know, finish it with us. Uh, yeah. Which I think is like, uh, you know, it's a good way. Um, you know, if you have a friend that hasn't read one of these books before, um, send them our way. Send them to one of our podcasts. Maybe you can get them to listen to our podcast um, and kind of uh, give them a chance to conversate with you about that, too. 
Yeah, and and you know, kind of maybe especially the multiple episode ones, they can get a a, a little taste of what it might be about and mm-hmm, figure right, out if it's mm-hmm. something that they'd want to to dig into. Um, yep. She says she would take Jerome out to dinner, and I have to say that from Mr. Mercedes, I would also take Jerome out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I think if I had to pick somebody from Mr. Mercedes, I'd take out Hodges. I would. I, I like. Uh, I'd want to get to know him, and he seemed like he was a very good uh, dinner guest. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that that Bill would be good too. Yeah. So. But yeah, I think that's fun, and so we may we may add a twist onto what you're reading for next time too, and and see if we can come up with something else. So please, so yeah, give. thanks for thanks for joining in and letting us know what you're reading. Yay! Um, yeah, thank you, uh, and don't forget to go and let us know what you're reading um, and uh, why um, you would recommend it to a friend or a family member, and if you would recommend it to us. Um, so moving right along, we are going to get into probably the most exciting feature about today's podcast, today's feature program, our giveaway announcement. So a couple weeks ago, we put out a giveaway on our Facebook and the rules were simple. You had to go like that post and that was it really. Uh, we ended up with around 40 something entries, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it's definitely one of our bigger, uh, you know, we get some, we have some decent, um, I think like the post reached like 1400 people or something along that line. So, you know, it's some good uh, percentage of engagement and we're really happy about it. Um, but thank you uh, for in- being involved. Thank you for going and liking it. Thank you for everything. Um, so we are giving we away. We appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we appreciate you so much. Um, we are giving away a copy of an incredible novel called Crazy Is As Crazy Does. The Life of a Serial Killer by John H. Mudgett. This is an award-winning novel. It won an honorary horror men- or an honorary mention in the horror category for the E-Lit Awards presented by the Jenkins Group. Um, and here is what John has to say about his novel. Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of a Serial Killer by John A. Mudgett uh, is a tensely clever first-person psychological thriller that deep dives into the world of an experienced serial killer. The fictional protagonist, John Goodman, is an amalgam of human predation and darkness, carefully stitched from the ragged shreds of multiple serial killers and mass murderers' lives. But though he is fictional, the circumstances of Goodman's lives are firmly rooted in historical characters and events. Crazy as this crazy does begins in 1955 and follows John as he evolves from a timid 12-year-old into a bo- powerful uh, from a timid 12-year-old into a powerful mastermind of deception and intimidation. The story takes the readers on a journey through the 75-year-old killer's life, ending shortly after the capture of the Golden State Killer in 2018. But like on all but like all unreliable narrators, readers are forced to grapple with an important question. Can they accurately separate fact from Goodman's twisted fictions? Readers quickly discover that the real horror unfolding is twofold. The murderous activities described by Goodman himself and the twisted transformation of those around him, culminating in a shocking, high-stakes ending. Um, yeah. It, it really was a fascinating story. I really enjoyed the interaction in the story. 
yeah, uh, you know, it's very, um, it's biographically written, you know, you know, so you get these, uh, I think it starts at like, I think I, when I was going through is like chapter five is when it really starts to go into that first person perspective and you start to get all these different uh, perspectives these, of these serial killers and everything. Um, and it was really incredible. I really enjoyed reading through it a lot. John actually gave uh, Kim and I both a copy of it. We were real lucky. Um, and on top of that, he gave us a third copy, a signed copy with a special bookmark in it for us to give away to one of our special listeners. And you know what, Kim? It feels like it's time for me to hit spin this wheel. I think it is time for you to spin that wheel. Okay, I'll turn on the sound so that way people can hear it this time. All right, ready? Let's hear it. Okay, and a ring-a-ding-ding. And the winner is William Rivera. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, William Rivera, we're going to be reaching out to you here on Facebook. Um, I will go in actually right now, uh, before I forget, and write down that you are the winner. Um, Good call. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, William, we're going to be reaching out to you today, uh, tomorrow, this weekend, and uh, getting your information so that way we can uh, get you this book. Thank you so yeah. much for liking our Facebook. Um, we have... And- and maybe a couple of other first time through goodies too. Bum bum. We got some stickers maybe. We'll see. It's going to be a good goodie bag. Thank you so much. Um, and make sure that you stay tuned in because we do have more books to give away. Um, we are uh, looking just to do more and more giveaways and more things. Uh, you know, books and um, authors that we've met, they are very interested in giving us a chance to talk about their work and get it out there. So we're really happy that we've been able to. Yep. And and looking forward to connecting and getting some more stuff out there. Um, you know, I always like the idea of being able to help new authors get start or newer authors, not necessarily brand new, but newer authors get their books out there. And mm-hmm. you know, everybody needs a hand up. And, you know, we don't may not have as much reach as somebody else, but every little bit helps. Yeah. And no, we're getting there. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's exciting. Um, and so we're going to be doing, um, you know, um, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter and everything. Um, you know, that's normally what we would talk about here. We don't have a lot of other announcements. Um, we do have some other stuff planned for coming up, but we're going to be keeping the anniversary a surprise. If you can solve that riddle, I am sure you're very excited about what's coming. Yeah, I think that you probably are. Um, so normally at this point we would sit and we'd take a few minutes to talk about the upcoming Stephen King news. Um, upon uh, some rigorous searching, I've discovered that there is no news this week. There really isn't any news <laughs> this week. Nothing um, new happening. So, you know, I um, went and uh, I decided, I was like, you know what? We, we'll go and we'll look uh, We'll look at um, Stephen King's Twitter. So I, I always enjoy it. I like looking at his Twitter. I like looking at what he has to say. Um, Stephen King on Twitter is uh, very outspoken political man um but he's also just kind of an adorable little dweeb Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah he really is uh and it's great it's right in between um here's uh just one of my favorite tweets that he posted on october 12th uh somebody tweeted kyle schwarber k schwarb 12 says who had fun last night stephen king just writes i did (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's a great tweet, and I'm so happy that he uh, felt the need. You know, and uh, it really shows, too. I think the nice thing about having this direct line to somebody that we've been analyzing their, like, works for so long is just seeing how often he retweets stuff about baseball. I'm like, man, this guy really is a big baseball fan. It just never he, really He really me. is. He really is a huge baseball fan. He's got season tickets kind of behind home plate for, you know, Boston. He's right there. Hey, you know. here's uh, Stephen King. Uh, he just finished reading Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. Probably the best novel I'll read this year. It's about work and love and characters who ring true. By the time I was 50 pages in, I couldn't put it down. Can't stop thinking about it. There's mm. something for us to look at thinking about reading. Yeah. If it's got that high of a, like... Yeah, high, what was the name of, of that? What was the name of that? It was called Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. Okay, well, I made I made a, a note of that so that we can go take a look I at also, it. Also, just so uh, I thought it was fun, too, um, it is 35 years old today. Um, not today, uh, 35 years old this year. It was mm-hmm. 35 years old on September 24th. Um, yep. And so we retweeted some stuff about that. Um, you know, and there's a lot of good stuff on here. I would definitely, if you find yourself very bored one day, uh, I'd recommend you go and uh, look at Twitter and uh, talk to, just go and see what Steve has to say. Um, other than that, Kim, anything else that you really uh, want to talk about or anything in particular you want to bring up? Yeah. Um, did you see the, there is a little bit of news. Did you see the news about the adaptation of Mr. Harrigan's phone? I did From not. If It Bleeds? Ugh. Yeah. Donald Sutherland. Okay. First of all, Donald Sutherland is amazing. And this story was so good. Um, It's a novella. Uh, If It Bleeds is another novella compilation. It's got four stories in it. So it's a really good amount of material to translate to a feature length film. So um, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with that because I think it'll be really good. Yep. That is awesome. Okay, that would be pretty great. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So we got that coming up. And I know I did see, too, if you're interested, um, Schuster, um, one of Stephen King's publishers, is doing a um, giveaway where you can get an iPad and a bunch of uh, his eBooks, and you can sign up for that at uh, stephenking.com as well. Uh, I signed up for it, you know. definitely thought it's, it, was worth, uh, it was worth signing up for. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And then uh, we also signed up for, uh, you know, there is a – competition for direct tv right now called scarathon where they are trying to get someone to watch all 13 of the Stephen king movies i feel like the time has passed and we did not get selected yeah um, i'm super sad because i really feel like yeah, that we'd have we been would have been great the best at that but that's okay uh so we're they, gonna get they in... just don't know who we are yet yet next exactly. year next, next year, year we'll get them um so we're going to uh take this time now i'm really excited we're going to welcome Darwi Sandleben, and we are going to talk a little bit about serial killers and their effect on pop culture. And well, but welcome. let's welcome our guest. Yeah, we got somebody special with us. Uh, her name is Darwi Sandleben. How are you doing, Darwi? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Darwi is my partner, um, and uh, we've been together. Uh, we met each other in 2012. Uh, we've been together on and off uh, for what three or four years of the last like eight or nine years. It's a wild history that we have That's together. Crazy. <laughs> um, uh, but it's it's really great uh, and it's really lovely. Um, Joey and I 
we have a certain fascination for um, serial killers. We like to watch the you know documentaries. We like to watch the book, uh, watch the movies and everything. So <laughs> thought it'd be fun to have Darby on to talk about um, just serial killers in general. Yeah, I, well, and Kurt makes fun of me because I love to watch all of the the serial killers and like the forensic files and all those shows. He says I'm taking notes and, on how to commit the perfect murder. <laughs> but are so, you? No, I'm really not. They're okay. just always it's always been fascinating to me. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, um I think too that something like uh, you know, we have an entire podcast built around horror and macabre topics, but I think there is just a certain fascination of people with those horror topics. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, and not only that, but like the psychological aspect to it, like the what makes them tick, like what events led them up to this point in their life. Because no one just wakes up one day and they're like, guess I'll start murdering lots of people. Right. Yeah, I they, Yeah, I agree with that. They wake up a month before and they go, man, I'm really thinking about murdering a lot of people. Well, Probably I suspect to do with my mom. <laughs> this I is mean... my mom's fault. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think a lot of them go back to their mom, don't they? <laughs> really it's seems true. to be, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, well, the, and the, some of the big ones that like uh, we wanted to talk about a little bit, um, Darwi, uh, you had wanted to bring up somebody in particular. Who is that? Yes, one of my favorite serial killer stories is Ed Gein, for sure. Um, He was so weird that he fascinated so many that they made multiple movies about Mm -hmm. him. You know, your Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, insert other movie title that I've forgotten. (laughs) Um, I think Jeepers Creepers. Oh, Psycho. Psycho. Psycho, yeah, Psycho. Um, he was especially peculiar because, uh, you know, it started with the mom, of course, um, and his mother mistreated him and wasn't kind to him. So he went on in life and started actually as a grave robber. Um, grave robber, I said that wrong word. Um, he started collecting bodies and body parts to kind of build his mom suit. And he had like this skin suit that he'd get into and he'd be like, I am my mother now. That's, and uh, dance around. Like, and like, no, and that's like, you, <laughs> you, you hear those stories, and it's like exactly what you were just saying. You immediately want to go, why? What are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Right, yeah. yeah. Oof. So crazy. Who knows? Um, whenever the police finally, like, busted his house, they found uh, so many different body parts, like, and so many weird crafts that he'd made out of them like he had like bowls that he had crafted out of human skulls and the infamous nipple belt a belt made of just a bunch of nipples yeah yeah, and um infamous of course um but it was hard for the police to differentiate between what murders he'd actually committed versus the bodies from the graves that he robbed um because there were so many mismatched parts and some of them were clearly cadavers um, whereas it's suspected anywhere from like one to seven of the bodies were murders he committed. Oof. But they don't know. That's incredible. They, like, those kind of stories too. And you know, the, one of the biggest reasons that I felt that this is a good topic for us to cover and talk about is because of the way that they influence and impact pop culture. 
you know, we just finished reading a novel, uh, Mr. Mercedes. Um, Darwin, do you know anything about Mr. Mercedes? Do you remember anything I've told you about I, it over the last couple of weeks? Oh, yeah. I listened to the episodes. What do you mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot you did sit next to me and, uh, while I was editing them, didn't you? <laughs> um, so, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, Mr. Mercedes, uh, you know, when we started it, we had originally picked it because it was kind of the closest thing that we could find to a serial killer. Um, and even that's not an accurate depiction. He's more of a mass murderer. Um, and uh, just here's what I think is interesting. Mr. Mercedes was, was inspired by a specific crime. There was a crime in the early 2000s or late 2000s where a woman drove her car into a McDonald's. And that inspired mm-hmm. Stephen King to write a novel about a man who drove a car into a crowd of people. It originally was going to come out a month or a week bef- uh, after the Boston Marathon bombings, but then it was just too eerily similar to bombing like those large events that he ended up not releasing it. It's interesting how art will be inspired by real life, but then real life will end up imitating art. And I think that you know Ed Gein in particular is such a like influential example of that. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I knew about the Buffalo Bill thing, um, but I didn't even realize all of these. There's a musical? Ed Gein the musical? That I did not know about. What? That seems uh, a little glorifying. Yeah, Um, it seems a a little crazy to me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I did not know that either. Uh, Well, and like, have you ever seen the movie Jeepers Creepers? No, I haven't. Jeepers Creepers. It's. Uh, I'm terrible at movies. We've talked about this. <laughs> I when I was younger, I used to really like horror movies, and so like I've seen a lot of the like 19 late 1990s, early 2000s horror movies because I'm old mm-hmm. now, and I realize that's almost 30 years ago. Ah, but anyways, um, it was a movie about this creature who harvested human skin. And a lot of the uh, inspiration from those crafts in that movie are from Ed Gein's, like, real crafts he made in real life. Wow. Yeah. He was just... a real weirdo. Like, he had quite the impact. Wow. Um, I, I mean, wow. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page, and I was just like, holy moly. I had no idea. Do you think, um, either mm-hmm. of you, do you think that... Um, Serial killers, in particular, have hit a point now where we're going to be getting serial killers in the future because they see how popular past serial killers got? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's been going on since the 70s, though. Copycat killers, once, like, Ted Bundy started making papers and stuff, um, you started seeing a lot of people trying to commit murders that looked very similar so that they would try to, like, soak up some of the limelight from the people that had already made a name for themselves. Well, and Ted Bundy in and of himself is such an enigma already, and he's he's basically glorified as a murderer. It's incredible. There's an entire movie where he's played by Zac Efron, and he, like... It sits there like you know rocking out to the classic rock soundtrack and just drinking a beer like a good old american and he does terrible things as well but like there's these moments where he's just so charming and it feels like should we be representing these people like that well that was 
part of the history, though, is Ted Bundy was so incredibly charismatic that he was able to, a lot of the times, get his victims to willingly go with him. Uh, he would, like, put on a cast and pretend to have a broken arm, and he'd be like, hey, the name's Ted, and he'd give out his name, and, like, not even have to lure or trick anyone. Like, they would willingly go with him a lot of the time. So I right. think it's true to life. Well, and, you know, didn't he father a child when he was in prison with somebody that he met, like a pen pal that he married? Nice. Good for him. You got yeah, it. Yeah, he had, like... I mean, a long-going relationship with that woman that was, like, on the forefront of the, like, he was innocent, get him out of prison thing, and he just lied to this woman for years to try to get her to get him out. Man, that's crazy. Right, and just, what the heck? You know, the charisma to have a serial killer <laughs> in yeah. prison, but still have the the power to persuade this girl woman to um advocate for him just wild well ted bunny was also a lawyer he had been to law school so there's something Mm -hmm. to be said there about charisma but uh he represented himself in uh pretty much all of his trials there is one uh famous instance where they left him alone in a library to uh, basically prepare for his case and they just trusted him because he seemed so cool and he yeeted right. out the window and ran away. <laughs> Man. This... Yeah. I mean, like, hello? What, like... <laughs> right. I, I can't imagine just, like, making the decision in that moment, like, alright, my options are to just jump out this window or go to prison. Like, I'm also going to yeet myself out a window, but it's still a crazy choice to be in. Right. I I mean, it's crazy that he was in a position that he was able to persuade these people to leave him in this position where he even had the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. That they even left him alone to begin with is wild. Yeah. Totally crazy. At what point are you just going to believe this? Like pretty much, you know, I don't know. uh, What's the word for the liar? Words are hard. Uh, Something liar. (laughs) pathological liar that's pathological the liar ted bundy was a pathological liar and so i don't understand why you would just take him at his word like oh i just got to write this email real quick it's like no homie you're gonna write this email with supervision at all times right you're in yeah. prison this was also the 70s and i don't think he was writing emails so he, was, he wasn't no, writing emails yes. but you know but but I, I get what you're saying writing i get what letters. you're saying he had to write scrolls <laughs> to his paramours i'm sorry my bad <laughs> The 70s were a long time ago, I guess, weren't they? No, if he were alive today, he could he wouldn't have got past the first murder. He was so sloppy. He was not that clever. He basically relied on the fact that in the 70s, states weren't allowed to communicate to each other. So mm-hmm. once he left those state borders, he was basically off the grid, and he'd get a haircut. And people would be like, that's a different dude. And it took like 12 murders deep for them to make any sort of connection. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, the whole process of law enforcement in the, you know, before computers and in the early computer age, completely different, completely different. I think, too, that like um, Ted Bundy is just in particular a cultural figure i've seen like ted bundy t-shirts and i feel like that's such a like 
I don't know, if you randomly walked by the, like, daughter of a woman who was murdered by Ted Bundy with that t-shirt on, like, I don't feel like that's she's going to feel cool about that. Yeah, the the way that he has been glorified and the way that, you know, people are like how um, attractive he was is just mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. The fact that he had groupies that would come to court is an insane uh, idea. I was just going to say, I think that uh, our culture in general, like, uh, kind of romanticizes violence and crime. Um, so we see people every time there's a serial killer that, like, just on a base level is moderately attractive. You see these. I'm going to say women, but it's not exclusively women. But, like, these girls specifically, like, swarming and saying, well, he could have murdered me and he could have kidnapped me. And it's so I think that weird. And I, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it either. Say, it's so twisted. In all honesty, though, like, when you look at some of those comments from, like, a modern perspective, in 2021, it's men and women saying those things. I feel like if we yeah. would have lived in the same uh, open not open in any way, but somewhat more open society we live in now in the 70s, we would have had just as many men doing it too then. I, I, I agree. Yeah, true. You know, I think it's, uh, I think that it is, it's like, it's taboo, you know? It's that nature of, you know, they're doing things that you're not allowed to. They're so cool. And obviously they're not cool. They did murders. Those aren't cool. Right. Those, that's not cool. And, but, you know, and extraordinarily violent and horrific, not just, I mean, not that any murder is not horrible, but just like exceptional craziness. I don't even, I don't even have words for it. It's so terrifying to think that people just think, oh yeah, you know, he's so cool, even though he's done horrible things to a lot of people. Um, I actually just looked up the term for it. Do you know that there is like a scientific term for people that are attracted to those that commit crimes? Do either of you want to guess no, what it what is? No, what is that? Uh, it's called <laughs> hybristophilia. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you would have never gotten that. that. No, no, but it hmm. would have. But it's called hybristophilia. No, it's a sexual interest in and attraction to those who commit crimes. And then there's another subsection of it called paraphilia where you only feel sexual arousal exclusively when you know that you are contingent to a partner who is committing crimes. So like knowing that you're sick. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like knowing that your significant other is like writing bad checks and like committing fraud can turn you on. And that would be a paraphilia. Yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah. And that's, I guess that is what I had no idea that that was even a thing. It makes sense on the level of, like, people, you know, like, going after the bad boy. Like, whoever your parents told you to stay away from. Like, you have that draw just because you were told not to. So I mm-hmm. could, like, in an abstract, not a personally understand it, but, like, yeah. an abstract could kind of see where it roots from. I was just going to say, um, anything that you're societally told, like, not to do, like, somebody is turned on by it somewhere. Like, there's something about that, like need to rebel and like go against the grain i think especially in people that are really sexually repressed like we live in a society that tells you like be obsessed with sex but also never talk about it and keep it real deep down 
And I think that is breeding ground for a lot of weird shit. No, and I think that it definitely shows in the crimes that these people commit, too, because they're all so sexually based. And well, I think it's yeah. So many of them are. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think it's interesting. One of the big things I wanted to talk to you about, Darwin, on air was you know you have your uh, part of your degree is about women's studies, and I think one of the most fascinating things to me is there's not a lot of female serial killers, and when you do look at the lists of the small list of female serial killers, they're all motivated by such different things than men are there's only one or two uh, female serial killers that i've read about where they there was one woman uh in mexico she actually went around strangling old ladies because they reminded her of her mother um who at one point moms again again, exactly and her mother had (laughs) sold her sold her when she was six years old for three beers and so she was very upset about that and she took it out on old ladies of mexico um do you think is there, do you have, is there anything that you learned about or any ideas that you have about like why or like what is, is it's just yeah. such an interesting like concept to me. Absolutely. A lot of uh, female, um, I think women <laughs> that commit crimes a lot of the times are more personally driven by something on more of an emotional level. Uh, whereas a lot of the crimes that we see men commit are sexual and violent. And in the U.S., we tend to blur the line between sexuality and violence a lot. Um, And whenever you look at power dynamics, power play, like BDSM, anything in that sort of realm, we are looking at someone being superior to another person and breaking that person down for personal gratification. Um, I think specifically when we look at men, we've got to look at the way that we raise our male children. Um, If you are telling them that they have to be tough and they need to be the alpha and they need to be all of these masculine traits, then they feel like they have to prove that in some way. And it's easier to prove that on an unsuspecting woman than another man your age and size that might beat the shit out of you. Um, So we see a lot of like both the repression of sexuality mixed with this need to like take if that makes sense, to basically, like, own or dominate. I mean, that that actually does make sense. Huh. I never really thought about it like that, but that absolutely does make sense. No, and I think that that's so interesting, too, that um, the way that you phrase that, you know, you have to teach, the it's the way that we teach men, and it is the way that we societally are bringing people up in this world. And it's interesting to me that that root cause is here as well as in many many other issues that we're facing right now absolutely well and look at like popular media like trash tv movies um that are action-packed and violent and bloody or video games that are super bloody they also tend to have a sexual component too you see a lot of scantily clad women um let's look at like grand theft auto uh you are being violent and breaking shit and also being rude to sex workers and like hitting women like we have in media uh this coincidence with sexuality and violence um well and i mean especially mm-hmm. i love old spaghetti westerns i think they're super cool and when i was a kid like it was 
it was just really interesting to me. And I mean, even now as a grown man, I see that like cowboys are the only real culture that we as Americans have. If I'm being like, you know, it's the only thing that is purely American. Um, and I just think that they're really great. But there's also a very interesting aspect of how I can't think of very many Westerns where there wasn't just some reason for a man to hit a woman. And, like, they would go to extraordinary, like, lengths to explain why these big, tough dudes with six shooters on their sides would slap the heck out of, like, some woman. And it was just Mm -hmm. to, like, make it seem better and more commonplace. Yeah, it definitely um, desensitizes you to it when you see it over the years. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, when we see so much violence and violence against women specifically, I know as a woman... um, I became a little bit numb to it, and I kind of expected that that was a part of the female experience, and I kind of had to take a step back and analyze and try to break that down, because just because we're used to something doesn't mean that's what I have to put up with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Just because you're used to it doesn't mean it's right. Just because absolutely. you see it in a lot of places doesn't mean it's right. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Okay, to get on. And we see, and and it's. Go ahead. And it's been normalized, you know, this, the, to kind of bring it back around to the serial killer. Sorry about that. Um, You know, we were just, we were talking about kind of at the beginning that, you know, we, we, we have, you know, forensic files in the first 48, and there's like 20 different shows about, murders not just serial killers but murders of all kinds and crimes of all kinds and you know you see it on all the facebook ads about you know i like you know coffee and crime drama and all of those things it's just part of everyday media and so it's so sensationalized that we, we get those copycat killers because then they get to be on TV, too. Well, and you, and Darwin, what were you trying to say right before that, too? I was just going to say that um, all of the reasons that we discussed are reasons why conversations like this are so important. Because it is uncomfy and probably not what most people want to just chat about. But if we can acknowledge the issues that we're having on a societal level, on a base level, of like how we're raising our children and the kind of messaging that we're sending out, that's how we keep things like this from happening in the future. And if I think we just turn a blind eye and try to push it under the rug, like we're going to keep having things like this. And I know I, as a you know, straight passing white man, I feel a lot of the times that when these conversations are had that I get kind of put as like the the person that's at fault. Like it's my fault personally. Um, not just because of the way that people talk, but because of the way that, you know, I have this ingrained guilt about it in myself. And I think it's important to just remember that we're all going to mess up and that you need to be able to stop and listen to the people that you're trying to help. And uh, I agree. I don't know. Just I, that's more for any other uh, just straight white dudes out there that are struggling uh, in a time period where we're trying to actually create equality for the people that have not had any for so, so long. Um, and I just want to make sure that, you know, 
Onyx is just in here with this squeaky toy as we're trying to have this conversation. <laughs> She's um, having a good time. So, okay, just to segue you go, out of Onyx. this then. Yeah, Onyx is a good girl. So, segue out of this, right? We'll end it on a little bit of a happier note. I had an idea. Darwi, can you think of a serial killer in particular that um, you think would uh, have a good story that like, you would love to see turned into a fiction novel? is one that like doesn't get much attention. Oh, okay, okay. Tell us a little bit about his story so that way we can uh, continue with this. Um, maybe I picked a bad one. I don't know his story as well. Richie Ramirez, right? anything on my phone. Well, yeah, okay. Richard I, yeah, yeah. Richard Ramirez, um, he's the Night Stalker. Um, he's a killer, uh, started off, uh, you know, peeping in windows and that kind of stuff. And um, he was active in the 80s. Um, it's interesting, he was actually active around the same time as a couple of other serial killers, um, and there's a really interesting documentary on Netflix about him that we actually watched together. Um, he does have a really interesting story. Um, he, uh, his father was a big heavy drinker and beat him all the time, and so as he was trying to escape that, he ended up uh, going and uh, learning green beret combat techniques from his brother. Uh, and it all just kind of ends up boiling into a man that uh, takes it out on the rest of the world. Um, Kim, here's the where it hands off to you now, right? What style book do you think, like, if we were to get Steve to write a book about Richard Ramirez then, what kind of book do you think would be best for this? Like, what style? Like, what, 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 what should we try to gear him towards? Well, hmm. That's hard. That's a really tricky question because, you know, if we're going to do, I, it's it, it would definitely fall into a historical fiction because it's going to be set in the period. But then beyond that, do we want to, I mean, gosh. Is it going to be 11-22-63? Is he going to change the future? Or is, uh, you know, and I think it'd be mm. interesting too. I'd love to actually read a Stephen King book just straight from the villain's perspective. Um, yeah, I think that would be really interesting. I don't know if any exists yet. I mean, if they do, maybe I can't, it's a I can't think yeah. of one off the top of my head. I can't. So, yeah, maybe that would be a good I, one. You know, yeah. we could get Richard Ramirez's story from his point of view as a historical fiction. Uh, right. Be very triggering. It'd be very terrible. It would um, be. It would be really awful. But and like and so here here's the point of that exercise for me, right? If we're not willing to make that fiction a reality. Why are we creating these documentaries that are explaining these detailed crimes in mass detail and then putting them out for millions to see? Like, at what point are we not just glorifying these people and are we not just satiating a weird fascination that we all have with this? Yeah, I mean, I know that... <sighs> I know I'm asking the big questions to it's, end it that, out. It, it's really, it is really weird to... But I also know that... A lot, and not all of them, but a lot of them are not coming out until these people are dead and gone. And it's because people are fascinated by their stories. Um, my concern is that it's inspiring other people. You know, um, I've been fascinated by true crime stories since 
honestly before I started reading Stephen King because I read a true crime book before I read Christine that was really fascinating and so it's it's I think that we as humans are fascinated by other human nature and that's why it keeps that's why we keep getting these documentaries is because we as humans are fascinated by the twisted nature of it well and i think the difference between uh making knowledge public and romanticizing or sensationalizing is always going to be the tone um you Mm -hmm. can present the facts but what matters is how you wrap it up. And I've seen a lot of documentaries like have interviews with people that were affected and you see the real life effects of those things and you get to see the aftermath, which that person that committed the crime probably didn't have to deal with. They probably could just do what they want and then either right. died or went to prison or whatever. But you get to see the real life, this woman 50 years later that is still afraid to go into her home. And if you end it on a note of this is terrible and we need to learn about these things so that we can prevent them in the future and know what to look out for, then that's different than like, look how cool this guy was. He was super hot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... um, Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And that that actually makes a lot of sense, too. You know, because, because it is fascinating, but tone and presentation can make all the difference and intent like why are we doing it um yeah and intent that's um, that's very well and something else that i was going to just uh throw in there and think about too is i think that we shouldn't we don't have to worry as much about inspiration now because it's not as possible to be a serial killer anymore you know, there's just so many different aspects of DNA and crime collection now that it's a lot harder to methodically plan murders one after another like that without losing any kind well, and, of like. And thing to get for away it. with it for years and years and years. Yeah. And I think now it's much more popular now, and we've seen this sadly on mass, and it is mass murderers. That is what's much more popular now. That is like that is the modus operandi you know it's i'm not going to be able to make eight months count so how can i do as much damage as possible in one night right and i think that that is sorry go ahead no you finish i was just gonna say and i think that that is in part to do with these serial killers and the weird fascination and glorification we've given them and also in our own uh justice system and the different uh, strides that we've made in capturing these people. Yeah, and I also think um, today not as only is it a lot more difficult from like a forensic point of view, but when you look at a lot of these serial killers or um, what other kind of... uh, um, (laughs) Criminals. It is. (laughs) Criminals, yeah, Jesus. Um, That's the word you're looking for. Yeah, it's been a long day. Um, Whenever you look at a lot of these criminals, like specifically a lot of these serial killers, they weren't methodical. They did not plan things out. Ted Bundy, he made a lot of impulse decisions and with luck and charisma just kind of got away with it. He would wander into a new town and at once decided he was going to kill four women in a sorority house. Like, completely on a whim. Whereas today, if you wanted to pull something like that off, you have to be a lot more careful. 
or when mm-hmm. you look at John Wayne Gacy, he got away with so many of the things that he did because he had a lot of friends in government that were willing to push things under the covers for him. Um, mm-hmm. like you just have to be kind of more skilled now. Not that it's a good skill to have, but <laughs> you can't be as lackadaisical about it and get I away with that. it. Right, right. Yeah, you can't be as impulsive. You have to, you, there, ha, there just has to be more you got to watch all the documentaries and know how everyone else messed up so that way you can <laughs> right? commit the perfect murder. So you can, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, guys, is there anything else you'd like to say about serial killers and their effect on pop culture and society or anything at all about this uh, before we wrap it up here today? I can't think of anything um, don't else. Don't kill anyone. Don't yeah, please kill don't anyone. kill anyone. That yeah. Is, what a good closing <laughs> I mean, message. So to close out the serial killer bookmark, uh, we're going to end it on the incredible note. Don't kill anyone. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, it's not cool. Please. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you so much uh, for Darwi for joining us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. It was, yeah, yeah, no, it was great, great to have you. Um, I am your host, Otto Mullins. And I'm Kim Payne. And don't forget and I'm to... And she's Darwin. <laughs> she's Darwin. Yay! And don't forget to put your bookmark in it. It's the nerdiest, lamest saying, but it's the only one I've got. Otto, Kim, that was incredibly interesting. Great job today. If you would like to support First Time Through, you can follow us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, or send us an email at firsttimethroughpodcast at gmail.com. You can also become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash through to get exclusive early access, to get exclusive videos, and to become our exclusive friends. If that's interested to you, I'm interested. First Time Through, New Eyes on Castle Rock, is produced by Empty Theater Productions. It's created by Kim Payne and Otto Mullins. Editing by Otto Mullins. Music by Jason Rager. Art by Kurt Payne at Who Knew Art.